Hi guys, I'm Rylan and welcome to my podcast, Reunion, the show all about reuniting blasts from the past, brought to you by my friends at Sky Bingo. On the show today, I'm joined, well, by a few people, to be honest, you get a lot of value for money on this one. The thing that they've all got in common is that they were all part of one of the best films ever, the brilliant 1996 adaptation of Roald Dahl's book, Matilda. Now, if you love that film as much as I did, then you are definitely in for a treat. Not only do we have two of the supporting actors, but I'm delighted to say that we have got Matilda herself, Mara Wilson. So grab some popcorn, dim those lights, and let's reunite the cast of Matilda. As a 90s kid, when I found out that this lady was going to be taking part in Reunion, I had a little bit of wee come out, if I'm going to be honest, because this girl is the girl that I think everyone wanted to be from that one film just so much, so much. And she is joining me now, and I'm so thrilled to say Mara Wilson's here. Mara, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I, my goodness, that's that's uh, that's quite an introduction. I'm very honored. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you won't forget that intro in a hurry. Let me tell you. Yeah, I won't. Um, Mara, first and foremost, how are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm I'm back in LA, uh, where I grew up. Uh, which is, you know, one of the reasons that I became a child actor, because here it uh, actually wasn't that unusual. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a nice day outside. Um, my cats are with me right here. Uh, and yeah, I'm... Cats are loving life. They are. They are. Uh, this is this is my, yeah, this is my gay son, Theo. Um, he likes to watch uh, anything with Gillian Anderson. Definitely um, gay. Yeah. Definitely yes. go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. And I am so thrilled that you agreed to come on this because we've never met before in person. And normally during my reunions, it's normally with people that I've met along my path over the last decade and and we talk about experiences that we've done. But Mari, you're a little bit different because we haven't met. However, I feel like I spent my childhood with you. You must get that so much. I do, actually. I get that a lot from people. I've had so many friends say, like, I always felt like I would meet you someday. Or, like, I used to pretend that you were my friend or or things like that. I, I had somebody say, I watched your movie so much and that's how my mom knew that I was gay. And I've had people just say, like, I, I, I watch it every <laughs> night to fall asleep. Well, I mean, it's a little bit insulting. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they mean that it's calming to them. It's calming. It's relaxing. That's fine. But yeah, people think that, I think for a, a while that was kind of hard for me because I felt almost like they didn't like me. They like Matilda. And Matilda was like much cooler than I am because I'm obviously not that smart and I don't have psychic powers. So that was... Uh, Do you not? You know, you've just ruined my childhood now. No, sorry. No. Yeah. Well, people... I, I used to say people would be like, oh, do you have magic powers? And I would be like, oh, come on. No, I'm not telekinetic. I'm just telepathic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that used to be my joke. Uh, but yeah, I think that for a while it could be kind of hard because it, it almost felt like I had like an older brother or sister, you know, that I had to live up to with Matilda. Like Matilda was like my older sister that, you know, everybody thought was cooler than me. And I actually have three very cool older brothers. So that was a real thing that I actually felt in real life. But now I just realize I'm like, oh my gosh, everybody knows this movie and and so many people love it. I'm now at a point where people are showing it to their kids and it's become this generational thing. Yeah. And I can't believe that. That's just the biggest honor ever. So I think sometimes, you know, it takes it takes a long while to accept a compliment. <laughs> and for me, it took it took several years. But now I'm at this place where I'm just so incredibly thrilled and happy that people love it so. And you really, really should be because, I mean, you've had such a glittering career. It's not it's not just Matilda, obviously, but I mean, especially over here in the UK. I just know being a, born in 88 and being a child of the 90s, Matilda was probably mine and everyone at that age's favourite film at the time. And that is what really cemented you as such the talent that you are. But it wasn't just Matilda that you did. I mean, how young were you when you started acting? I was five. Five? I was very young. <laughs> and one of my older brothers had done a little bit of acting too. And like I said, where I grew up, it was sort of like joining a cricket team or, you know, just doing something, you know, scouts, something like that, where it, it wasn't that big of a deal. Because I think a lot of people kind of assume that they're 
Like there were people who wanted their children to be stars, but it was more often like, oh, they'll make some money. You know, maybe maybe they can use that for college. It was that kind of thing. So uh, a lot of people did it. So it was quite common. Yes, it was very common. And I was in a couple commercials and uh, I did some radio ads too, I think. I've always loved doing voiceover. And then I got called for a movie and that movie was Mrs. Doubtfire. Wow. So yeah, that was, I think, probably the first movie that I auditioned for. And I remember I kept going back and back for auditions. And eventually they brought me up to San Francisco to uh, to do a screen test with Robin, who was incredibly sweet. And uh, we did a lot of that. And I, re- I remember then they started doing like chemistry tests, basically, with our, our family. And uh, there were other kids there. And I remember really liking the boy named Matt and the girl named Lisa, because when we were together, we felt like a family. And uh, I remember thinking, like, I hope I get this, but I hope they do, too. And they did. Oh. Yeah, and they did. And and we really did feel like a family. I mean, to sit here, look, for me, to just try and process this, <laughs> let me just roll back ever so slightly. Yeah, so it's quite common. <laughs> you know, when I was your age and you were auditioning for movies, I think I was in the park playing with conkers on the floor. <laughs> I mean, so that was normal for me where I grew up in London. I was doing that too. <laughs> that That's the thing is you have to remember that. And there were a lot of things I didn't understand when I got onto the set. I remember at the end of the day, I wondered why people weren't clapping for me because when you perform in, you know, a pageant at school, everybody <laughs> claps for you. Yeah. But uh, they weren't. And I remember my mom telling me like, that is not acceptable behavior. You can't ask people to clap for you. And I was like, but they're supposed to. It's polite at the end of a performance. <laughs> and she's like, no, this is a different thing. So so I, I definitely, yeah. And, and I have a lot of really embarrassing memories from being on that film set because I was so young. And I remember one night bursting into tears because I was so tired. I was five years old. Wow. Yeah, the movie came out when I was six. But I had a lot of fun working on it, too. I mean, I really couldn't have asked for a better group of people to work with for my first movie. So yeah. I feel very fortunate And then after that, I pretty much went straight into Miracle on 34th Street. Another classic. Yeah. And I was in, and I mean, I worked with, you know, Sir Richard Attenborough, who was, you know, just a class act, just wonderful. And Dylan McDermott, who was hilarious. And Elizabeth Perkins, who was a sweetheart. Right. So again, my, my small brain just can't comprehend any of this. So you go for your first movie audition and it's just really casual. You're in Mrs. Doubtfire, one of the greatest films of all time, with some of the greatest actors of all time. Yeah, we didn't expect it to happen. That was the thing. And I remember my mom saying like, okay, we're going to make a scrapbook. This is going to be like a one-time thing. This is going to be like a nice holiday for you or or like going to summer camp for you. That's basically what this is going to be. Uh, And then she asked me, she said, do you want to keep doing this? And I was like, yeah, this is fun. And I didn't understand the ramifications of fame and, <laughs> and all of those things. I was just like, yeah, this is fun. You were five. You were yeah, five. Of course. Of course I didn't understand. And and so there was so much that I didn't understand and I couldn't understand at that age. But I, I did have fun with it for a long time. And I think we could see that as well. And, you know, being that young in Hollywood or any type of industry, whether it's over here or anything like that. You know, I've been fortunate enough to to do things as well. And, you know, being an adult now, like yourself, you know, it is quite pressured and it is quite a, a, a difficult environment at times. But did you ever feel that whilst you were doing it? I think I did. I, I definitely think that I did. I, I think that I was kind of a born perfectionist. I always worried about you know, having to get things right the first time and, and and doing that. And I do think that, I think that being in film encourages that perfectionist environment because there's sort of an incentive to get it right the first time and to perform and to be on all the time. And so I think that that kind of made me believe that I couldn't make a mistake. I think one of the biggest misconceptions about child actors is that we're spoiled brats and you have people waiting on us hand and foot And it is true that we have a a lot of people like reminding us when it's time to do this, when it's time to do that. And we get a lot of one-on-one attention, but really most of us are just crazy people pleasers. We really just want to make everybody happy yeah, because that's kind of what's been drilled into us. So I think that I definitely had that. I I was definitely a people pleaser and I think I still am. It's only in the past few years that I've realized like, huh, I don't have to be friends with this person if I don't want to. 
And I can say, no, I don't want to do this <laughs> instead of doing it and then get grum- getting grumpy about it later. But I had to learn those, those lessons. I-, I didn't learn those lessons until I was like 30 because I was so used to just being like this. Yeah. And, and it kind of got drilled into my head. Like you have to behave well and you have to be the good girl, you know, and you have to be nice and you have to be polite. So yeah, I hear that. I had to kind of squash down any unhappy feelings I had. I had to always smile. I had to do these things. It was, and that, and that I think was very hard. So I mean, I very much appreciated being a part of film and such, but I also know that it probably, uh, <laughs> it probably exacerbated some bad habits. Yeah, no, and I listen. I totally get that. I totally understand what you're saying because I think as a performer, you know, whatever's going on in your personal life, whatever's going on at home, whatever's going on away from the set, you've still got to go out there, put the smile on, and and do your job ultimately. And it is getting to that point, which I'm glad that you've found, by the way that you can get to that point and realize, I don't need to smile today. And I can say no to this. I don't need to always say yes to this and feel bad for it afterwards. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that that's, it's so important to get to that place. And and while also managing a balance, because I mean, I, I feel like for a while, like getting recognized felt to me like, I don't know if they do this as much in the UK, but here in the US, when it's your birthday in a restaurant, if you tell somebody, they will bring out a cake and they will sing to you. Okay, yeah, that's fine. We do that. You do that? <laughs> okay. It just feels like such a thing that that British people would be mortified by. And honestly, the vast majority of Americans are mortified by it too. <laughs> uh, and I think that's kind of what it felt like when I would have people recognize me. Because it was just like, oh, I'm just going about my day and then this thing happens and there's so much attention on me and it's so sudden and and they don't even really know me as a person. They just know my acting and they probably think that I'm way cooler than I am. And I didn't understand it as the compliment that it was. For me, it was just it was it was just brought up a bunch of you know anxiety. And so I feel like that's kind of what being recognized was for me for a very long time. And also signing autographs when you're a child feels like having to practice your writing over and over again. It feels like homework. <laughs> so I think there's a scene in A Hard Day's Night where, you know, the Beatles want to go out and party or just just even just like go to the pub. And uh, and they're like, nope, you have to sign all these autographs first. And they're just like, oh, and it really does feel like they're being told they have to do their homework. Yeah. And of course, I, I, I'm so embarrassed when I look back on this because I'm just like, that's the nicest thing. Somebody asking for your photo, asking for your autograph. That's so incredibly nice. They, they, you mean something to them. And like, that's why I love doing cameos. Now I do cameos and I get to be like, you know, happy birthday to a nine-year-old. And it's so fun. It's so sweet. But when you're a child, you don't understand that. You don't understand what a privilege it is and what a joy it is. And you said it quite early on in this interview. You said, it took me a long time to understand how to take a compliment. Why do you think it took you so long I think that I was a perfectionist. I think that uh, I, I kind of had imposter syndrome. I, even when I was singing at the White House, even when I was going to stadiums in Tokyo, even when I was, you know, at, at Radio City Music Hall, even when I, you know, met Queen Elizabeth, <laughs> uh, I, I didn't, yeah, which I did, I, I met the Queen. Uh, I was just kind of like, okay, these, these things aren't that big of a deal. And I think that also my parents had instilled in me not to be a brat about them and not to make a big deal out of them. So I, I think that for me, it was just kind of like, oh, this is something everybody does, especially since a lot of my best friends, one of my best friends, I think, was in a McDonald's commercial. And I mean, like Hilary Duff was my friend growing up. Raven Simone was my friend growing up. And we all did charity work together, which is actually very interesting. Uh, charity work is what a lot of child actors do. And uh, <laughs> everybody in the charity group dated each other. <laughs> it no. was really funny, yeah. You can't say that and not tell me anymore. Nobody that I dated was famous, but one of my first kisses was, uh, I think, an actor who's now in Twilight. Not as a big part, but he was in Twilight. He's not like a tree in the background, is he? No, he's, he's like a, his character has a name, <laughs> but he's, he's a sweetheart. I mean, he's married now. He's like, you know, and we're just friends. But, you know, we played spin the bottle once, I think, uh, you know, and oh, and the root of all evil. Bad idea. Really bad idea. We did that at a charity event. Uh, <laughs> it was just kind of like and I always felt like I kind of, you know, like somebody like like Kiyami, I would say in in Matilda, who played Lavender. She she had star power. 
Like she walked into a room and she was so beautiful and so cool. I was just like, she should be famous. Whereas I was an extroverted kid. I loved people. I liked talking and performing, but I don't know. I think that I was also a little, I was very in my head and, uh, and it felt kind of strange to me to be a star, I think. Uh, and I never considered myself a star. In fact, our motto when I was young was the only stars are in the sky. I love that. So my parents were really, really trying not to let it to go to my head and, and to make sure that I wasn't a brat. And I shared a room with my sister for years and years. And I still went to Girl Scouts and I still went to a state school and I still did all of these things for a very long time. But I think that I kind of took it to the extreme and I, as I tended to do as a child, and I thought, oh, I can't even be confident because being confident in yourself or liking yourself is the same as being obsessed with yourself. And we spoke about Mrs. Doubtfire. We spoke about Miracle. And then along came the film that was all about Mara, Matilda. (laughs) The film where you were the leading lady. It was all down to you. It was special for me. It was very special for me because I loved the book. I, I identified with her because my mother's values were, you know, the most important things in life are being strong and being smart. And Matilda was both. So... I knew immediately that this was a character that my mother loved and my brothers loved. And I knew it was a character that I loved too. And she did remind me, I think, of like the things that I wanted to be. I totally looked up to her the way that you would look up to a big sister or like the the cool kid in the neighborhood. I was just like, she is what I want to be. What happened was my agent called and she was like, oh, we've gotten so many scripts. There's this script, this script, this script, Matilda, this script, this script, this script. And my mom said, whoa, 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 back up, Matilda. Yeah, send us that one. (laughs) So uh, I think she passed on it at first. I mean, maybe she thought that I wasn't ready to do the starring role, which I probably wasn't. And but they sent it there, and I went and I met Danny DeVito. I loved him immediately. He is the fun uncle that he seems like. You know, he's very kind. He's very open-minded. He's very, very funny and performative, and he has such a love for like weird cult movies and kitschy things. So he's very, very fun. (laughs) And he was a fun guy to be around. So I think that was really cool for me. I I met him and I've seen videos of the two of us talking. And he told me later, he was like, I knew I wanted you for Matilda from the moment you walked in. Wow. And I I felt just immediately like I bonded with him. I felt like we had the same kind of sense of humor. There's, I think there's a lot in common with the Jewish American and Italian American sense of humor. (laughs) So we had an instant rapport and my mom loved him too. And uh, it, it took a while before I got it, I think, while I was filming Miracle on 34th Street. And I was so happy because the other movies I'd been like, yeah, this will be fun. Yeah. But this one was the first project that I was really, really passionate about. And it remains my favorite movie to watch, I think. You know, I, I mean, Doubtfire is really fun to watch, too, actually. Oh, she's just reeling off the CV. She's scrolling along. <laughs> But yeah, I was I I had so much fun. I had so much fun filming it because there were so many kids around and everybody was nice. I mean, Embeth who played Miss Honey was a sweetheart and we would have tea parties together. Oh. But Pam Ferris who played Miss Trunchbull was incredibly nice, the nicest person who just wanted to show you pictures of her cats <laughs> and talk about her garden and she was so soft spoken and beautiful and she had like I remember just thinking she had like the most gorgeous hair and My mom was like, she plays so many hideous characters, but she's really beautiful. And she plays so many mean characters, but she's really nice. We were just like, yeah, she's just a fantastic actress. One of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. Pam is an absolute national treasure of this country. She really is. She is. She's been in so many of my favorite things. I mean, and she's so good. Like she was in Children of Men, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And she's so great in Call the Midwife. And she's fantastic. She's a genius. I love her. She's amazing. She really is. And you know what? Like you said, you worked with an amazing cast. You had such fun. But did you ever imagine you'd done Doubtfire, you'd done Miracle on 34th Street, when it was your turn to take that leading role, that starring leading lady role in Hollywood and all across the world, (laughs) because you were so young, did you know what it was going to be like? Did you know it was going to hit? Did you know that it was going to be the iconic film that it is even today? Not at all. I mean, I I wanted it to be successful. I was in a bunch of very good movies back to back, or at least very successful movies back to back. Mm. And I also think that I kind of felt like it would be like that forever. 
I think some of that is probably due to my mother because my mother was a big cinephile. And so she would read a script and she would be like, this one's terrible. We're not doing this. This one's terrible. We're not doing this. She'd be like this one. Okay. This is actually funny. Let's at least try out for this. You know, it was a smaller pond in those days. There weren't as many child actors. uh, Well, probably as there are now, but there just aren't that many child actors to begin with. So my mom was very choosy about which ones I went out on auditions for. I got sent the script for Interview with a Vampire. And I actually went to acting classes with Kirsten Dunst, uh, who ended up getting it. But I remember reading that. And my mom was like, you're way too young for this. And I was. <laughs> I could not read for that role when I was six. Yes, I was going to say. I, and I think we hoped that Matilda would do well, but I don't think I really understood what that would mean for me. You know, I, I remember I was in Toronto filming another movie when Matilda came out and we were driving around and I was seeing my face on posters. And that was very strange to me. (laughs) I don't think I anticipated what a phenomenon it was going to be. And and the thing is, when it came out, it actually, I know in the U.S., it did not do as well. I remember it doing very well in Canada. And I do remember feeling a little bit of a backlash from the U.K. because they were like, why did they make it American? You know, because Roald Dahl is so quintessentially British, you know. And I I feel like I felt that, I felt that for a long time. But now... Now it's funny because now, now like a lot of my biggest fans are from the UK. <laughs> so uh, I think that that maybe the UK has finally accepted this part of the canon. <laughs> uh, no, I no, listen, we we definitely accepted it. Come on, <laughs> leave it out, Mara. No, honestly, we we love you over here, and like I said, I'm so thrilled to speak to you. And it's so nice to hear your experience firsthand of being a child actor, and and you know, talking about your struggles. And I know you've always been very, very open publicly about struggles that you've had in the past and growing up and and dealing with all of that. But I want to get to the fun bit because Reunion is all about reuniting people with people from their past. And we mentioned a certain national treasure. She instilled fear in children across the world. And I mean, you've just ruined a bad lady image, let me tell you, with the cats and the uh, tea. But uh, <laughs> I think we should bring someone very special in. Do you want to do it? Let's do it. Boom! How are you, Mara? I'm doing very well. God, how lovely to see you. Yes, I'm here with my cat, who you can see. Hello, Pudding. My dog doesn't know why I'm talking to a strange box in the guest room. <laughs> Very confused. Pam Ferris, I have to say, it is such an honour to have you on this podcast, Pam. I was just speaking to Mara. She spoke extremely fondly about you. Of course she would. I will of her. Of course. And you, But Pam, you are such a national treasure oh. and we absolutely adore you. International treasure. International treasure. <laughs> I don't want to hijack your program, but look. Oh my gosh. You have the riding crop? <gasps> oh my gosh. And I also Amazing. have the belt buckle in the frame. Oh my gosh. Amazing. No. Yay. I think you enjoy that. Pam, just for, um, uh. just for, just for, parity and um, if you could just give us your postcode and your alarm code as well that would be uh quite handy. <laughs> no that's my pension <laughs> uh, that is your pension uh pam we are so thrilled to obviously have you on when was the last time you guys actually see each other mara help me it was when we met at danny's house 2014 yes we did that's when we did the blu-ray release yes yes yeah we did and it was so lovely to see you you look fantastic <laughs> You look fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. And that was a really fun weekend. We went to a really fun restaurant. And I remember, I I don't drink anymore because I have a, unfortunately, I have a blood pressure condition. But I remember getting tipsy with you and thinking, oh, my goodness, if people knew that that Matilda and Miss Trunchbull were getting tipsy together. (laughs) (laughs) I remember it well. It was fantastic reunion. And Danny, of course, being the the evil man he is, he sprung a load of things on us with the camera. (laughs) And they're all apparently, I've not been able to watch them, but they are on the re-release, on the the extras on the re-release. There's gifts of me, and I remember being like, Oh, no, I don't think I brought enough hair and makeup stuff for this. (laughs) But it got picked up. And that's when I realized, oh, wow, people are still really into this. And people really love the idea of a reunion. And people are really. Oh, no. Yeah. No. It's such a thing. Yeah. 
it's living. It's, it's a living thing, that film. And I think Danny did such a great job, don't you? Mm. He did. I, I think he really understood it. I think he had... He had the dark sense of humor, but he also has the the the, the humanity, the humanism of it. Yeah. So he balanced it perfectly, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. But I've got I've got to interject because I just need to say on behalf of the world, the sequel we are waiting for is Matilda and Trunchbull out on the lash. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. That's so funny. Because people always tell me, people always tell me they say there should be a Matilda too, and it should be like Matilda's daughter. And I'm like, well. The whole point is that Matilda got the powers from, you know, being in an unfortunate situation. So I don't know if those powers would necessarily be genetic. But yeah, the yeah. idea of, of Matilda <laughs> Matilda and Trunchbull taking each other on again is very funny. We earned those powers. We earned those. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I often thought that uh, Trunchbull, the sequel I wanted to write was Trunchbull running a holiday camp. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, what you call summer, summer camp. <clears throat> Um, in the hills somewhere when <laughs> nobody could get at her. <laughs> you know, fewer children came out than went in, yeah. that kind of thing. That's a perfect idea. You had you had a lot of fun playing her. Oh, I did. <laughs> I suffered, though, Mara, physically. Yes, you did. Was it? I trained with a guy who didn't realise that I was able to cheat things. He just wanted me to win the Olympics. He nearly killed me. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, women shouldn't do shot put. Uh, well, we do shot put. Yeah. But hammer throw, oh my God, hammer throw's hard. I mean, Pam, was that real? Was that a real hammer throw? Oh, yeah, yeah. No. Yes, we. I threw the hammer most mornings for about several months just to get into shape. The muscles were care of a wonderful lady called Jane Rum, and I had an anatomically correct suit yes. that I wore, and it was hot. We shot in 106 degrees. No. Yep. <laughs> I remember we have air conditioners and when we're filming uh, that are like big tubes called the snake. And I remember Pam taking the snake and just putting it up her dress <laughs> <laughs> or putting it up her top. And, and nobody could blame her. We were just like, that's Pam's. That's yeah. Pam's. And then they got a, um, a thing from NASA which was a cool suit um, that had been worn by Dustin Hoffman in Outbreak, and they put Stop it on it. underneath my costume, and it was circulated cold air. <gasps> cold water, sorry. Nobody knew how to work it, so they turned it right down to zero, and, you know, I was alternately, my blood was in Alaska and Florida, <laughs> and I would wander around with this tube coming out from underneath me. <laughs> I think we felt like you were so brave. There was one scene I remember where you get attacked by chop and you got chop dust in your eye. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, it, it was rough. And it was just, but Pam was such a trooper that I think we all were just like, she's invincible. She can do anything. And then we were like, oh, no, she's a real person. She needs to, you know, she, she needs to be taken care of. Oh, with, with blinded Pam, she needs to go to A&E. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Again. Um, Mara, do you remember uh, our relationship? Because Danny tried to keep me away from you all at one point. Yes, he did. But I think I was like the one who knew that you were nice. And I think I probably told the other kids that you were nice. Because I remember the first time I met you, you showed me pictures of your cats. Yes. And you were so soft-spoken and gentle. And I think you, me, and Embeth all had tea together. That's right. And I was just like, oh, I just love her. Like, my mother was like, she's so beautiful and she's so kind. And Aww. yeah. And so I, I knew. I knew the secret and I was kind of a loudmouth. So I probably told the other kids, she's not that scary. Well, <laughs> all I remember is standing there looking like, you know, just awful. So awful people would look away from me if they didn't know it was makeup. Stunning. Stunning, Pam. Stunning. But then this little hand, and I think it was, it wasn't uh, Kiami, it was someone else. But this a little hand just came into my hand and I squeezed it and there was this thing going... Hello, you know. I think it was, it must have been Raina or somebody. One of the very, yeah, one of the more outgoing kids. That was glorious. Pam, what was Mara like on set? Oh. Because, you know, we were just having a chat. She was so young. <laughs> yeah, but listen, she was a proper actress. Mm. Danny and I used to converse about this because, you know, with some child uh, um, actors, you have to go, now look sad and look up at that corner and then down, you know, that kind of thing. Not with Mara. I remember Danny would talk through the scene with you 
He would give you no actual physical directions and you would interpret that. It was magnificent. I was so impressed with you. Thank you. I had a very big imagination and I think that I also had a good ear for dialogue. Yeah. And so I felt like I could kind of hear the way that a line should be said in my head. And then I would try to say it out loud that way. I've worked with a lot of directors and some were really wonderful. And I think the ones that understood kids were really wonderful in particular. And Danny also engaged me creatively, which was very good. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But that was possible. I think that was my my big surprise, that it was possible to engage you creatively at your age. Yeah. You'd be like, okay, you're going to do this and this. And it just felt like it wasn't like pretending. It was different than pretending, but it did really feel like you're on an adventure, you're doing this, and we're going to make it very real. And there was something about the way that he talked to me that made me feel, I also felt like he took me seriously, which was great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, he did. Uh, From my point of view, he did nothing but say yes more. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) There was a lot of that. Red rag to a bull. I, I just loved it. You know, I had a lot of decision making about how I actually looked physically and how I behaved. Uh, and that, that was that freedom surprised me. It really did. I thought, you know, big picture, you don't get that much freedom usually. He asked me to design a doll. A doll? I designed the Matilda's creepy doll with like the hair. Yeah, I designed that. There was also Lissy doll. So I had two dolls. But yeah, he just wanted me to to do it. And I thought of... Really? I thought of like the strangest things that I'd seen at craft stores. And because and, my mother sewed a lot. And I thought of the strangest things that I'd seen there. And I put them all together. And we made we made a doll for Matilda. Oh, it must have tough memories for you, considering your mother and everything, Mara. It must be tough for you. Yeah, it is. Well, that was the hardest part, was I was filming while my mother was ill and, and, and you know, the, the cancer that she eventually died from. And the thing is, though, that I know this was a real passion project for my mother. She really loved it. And so she really loved being there. And also, I felt very safe on that set. Yeah. I felt like I was surrounded by people who cared about me and... To the point that when I had to go back to real life, it was very difficult for me going back to school and everything. And I was very anxious because Matilda had felt like a summer camp. It had felt like, you know, it had just felt like being on holiday with so many friends. Even when it was hard, it felt good. So I think that I'm really glad that I had that. And I know that the movie meant so much for my mother. I still am sad that she didn't get to see the finished one. But I did find out that Danny actually brought her a copy of an early print while she was in the hospital. So wow. So that made me very happy. Extraordinary. The timing was dreadful and extraordinary. It was. But they took, I was taken care of. You know, the, my mother had to go get a mastectomy and Danny would say, hey, stay over with my family this weekend. We'll go see a play. Yeah. You know, we'll watch movies. A lovely domestic feeling working for Danny. I found that as well. Just really part of the family. Definitely. Yeah. I just want to say, this is just so lovely to actually see the pair of you together now and I I think it's just so clear to not just hear not just see but feel the love between you guys because it seems like you really shared such a beautiful experience together yeah it was very special very special it was my favorite film to make I would say and it's definitely one of my favorites to watch I, I have, I, I know there were hard times working on it, but I don't even remember the hard times. I just remember all the good ones. Excellent. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I, I make my question clearer. I know that you're now a lawyer. Um, do you find... Me? Yes. No? I'm not a lawyer. What no, are you? I'm not. What are you? <laughs> I'm a writer and I do a lot of activism and things. I'm, I'm amazed that you think I'm a lawyer because uh, I'm very flattered. No, but I do a lot of work with different... Do you specialize in divorce? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do a lot of specialty... I, I do a lot of work with uh, with uh, different organizations, though, and I do a lot of advocacy work, so that's probably why you thought that. That's the word that I've then confused, is advocacy work. Okay, because, okay, yeah, because advocacy here, I mean, it just means that I speak out a lot on behalf of mental health organizations and Brilliant. youth development organizations, and I've worked with nonprofits and charities all through my 20s and 30s, you know, either either in a professional or volunteer capacity. So, uh, so yeah, I do, I do a lot of that. And before COVID, there was a lot of me traveling to, uh, you know, discuss things with people and to do, uh, and to do speeches and such. Now I can't do that as much, but I was in London 
I think two or three years ago, and uh, I gave speeches about mental health at London City Hall, which was very cool. And that was pretty amazing. That is that then the skills that you have, uh, have always had, you can employ those because your performance ability uh, in speaking, public speaking and so on is all there for you. Yeah, I mean, and, and I always, I, I think that I was always a storyteller. That was the thing. I always wanted to tell stories. And so I think that that I worked into my writing. But public speaking is something that there was a period of a couple of years where I was very nervous about it, I think. But I eventually got over it and I started doing more theater. And, you know, when I was a teenager, I did theater and I did choir and I did improv comedy and I did all those things. And I felt very comfortable there. And so now I still feel completely comfortable getting on a stage and talking to people. And in my 20s, I did storytelling and comedy. And there were so many times where I would, I remember doing a show once and my friend, uh, my friend Anna Dresden, who I think she's a writer for Saturday Night Live and a Good. bunch of amazing shows here in the U.S. She's, she's hilarious, one of the funniest people I know. I did a show once and she said, we don't have enough performers. Can you just go up and do something? And I was like, uh, are you sure? She was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's getting crazy. We need more people. And I was like, uh, okay. So I just went up on stage and told like a story out of my back pocket and told a very funny story to the audience and the audience laughed and and it was great. And I just kind of got off stage and I was like, okay, I did that. (laughs) Wow. And that's happened to me a couple of times. Yeah. For me, it's like, there's certain points you want to hit, I think, and you can kind of work that into a story, but really the connection with the audience and the intimacy with the audience is the most important part. And can I just say on behalf of that audience that you guys really connected with me as a child, very much so connected with me as a child. We loved the film. We really, really did. And Pam, I still can't believe I'm actually saying, oh, yeah, just Pam Ferris is on my podcast. Like, uh, you get over it. It's just such a moment that I'm speaking to the pair of you. And Pam, honestly... I can't thank you enough for joining us this evening. I really can't. Oh, Ryland, can I just say, I've always wanted to say about you, I think your vocal tone, your speaking vocal tone is one of the smoothest, most beautiful sounds on radio or television. You have a lovely, <gasps> you have a lovely voice, Ryland. You really do. Thank you, Pam. That's so kind. Glorious. Don't you think so, Mara? I do. I do. I and, and I have a lot of admiration for that. So, yes. Glorious sound. Oh, carry on. Carry on. Carry on, Pam. <laughs> <laughs> Pam, I, we both adore you. I can tell how much Mara has got so much love for you. And it's so nice that all these years on, the, the pair of you. No, Mara, lovely. Next time you're in London, please, you must come and visit. Yes, I definitely will. And you know I want to come back. So, so yes, I would love that. I would love that. That would be great. Oh, I miss you. And if I'm just slyly hanging outside the window looking through <laughs> and just, just ignore me. Just leave me there. I'm fine. We'll give you a cup of tea. <laughs> uh, Pam, thank you so much. So, so much. And I hopefully get to see you soon. Oh, God, this has been great. Thank you. Mara, how was that? Oh my goodness, I'm I'm near tears right now. It really is just so am I. <laughs> I know. I can imagine. I could. I could see. I could see. It's. Oh. It is really nice when I, I know lately in here in the U.S. Danny DeVito has been really championing like a lot of progressive causes and a lot of sort of the, you know helping the underdog kind of thing. And people are like, oh, it's so good to know that he he is a good person. And I'm just like, yeah. He is. <laughs> mm. He really is. Do you know what? I was really lucky. I got to meet Danny and interview him. And he was such, a, you're so right, just such a nice guy. Like, And we just sat there just sort of in the break. And he was talking about, oh, I'm going to this restaurant tonight. You should go there. It's really nice. Like, he was just a really decent bloke. And I'm, yeah. I'm six foot four. So when we had a photo <laughs> together, it looked like the twins remake. It really did. Danny and I, I think, are about the same height. So I'm very short. Pam's very tall, as you can imagine. We all make kind of a, a fun little motley crew. But Pam, yeah, Pam is really special. She really is. And every time I watch her in anything, mm. I'm in awe of what she can do. You know, there are so many different uh, adaptations of Matilda. I feel that's great because she's such a great character. She's almost an archetypal character that like, she's never going to be limited to just one interpretation. But to me, I feel like Pam is always going to be Miss Trunchbull. Trunchbull, always. 
Always will be. Pam is Miss French Bulb. Absolutely. To, to me. I love that. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just Miss Trunchbull that was in the film because you were talking about that Motley yeah. Crew. And um, I don't know, Mara, can you, can you smell that? It's quite sweet. I can smell this really lovely smell. It smells quite flowery, actually, quite floral. Actually, I'd go as far as saying it smells quite lavender. I think it's time for another reunion. <laughs> and let's welcome Kiami Howard. Kiami! Kiami, oh my gosh. Kiami, you look gorgeous, as always. So do you. Stunning. Oh, oh, I miss you. We need to meet up again. I know. We do. ASAP. Yes. Okay, Kiami, I've got to say this. It's so nice to meet you, by the way. Thank you so much for coming on to the show this evening. A real pleasure. Good. Just hearing you say hello to Mara, I can just <laughs> hear lavender. You have got that lavender voice. I did. I thought, I was like, was that her real voice? Did she really speak like that? Yes, she does. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, you know, I've not grown out of it. You really haven't. You really haven't. We've had such a lovely chat this evening and we've been talking about what it was like being in that film. And, you know, you played such a vital role in that film, Kiami, because Lavender was such a gorgeous character. And and you, I've got to say this, although this is a podcast, we're lucky enough that we can see each other. You literally look no different. Thank you. The pair of you. I feel like we both always had voices that were a little bit older and faces that were a little bit younger. <laughs> I would say both of us. Yeah, we did. Yes. And I think they dressed you a little bit nerdier than you actually were. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The overalls. The overalls. Yes. Oh, the overalls. <laughs> I remember you had to wear, you're showing us the bike shorts that you had to wear because you had to get, I think that was when you got lifted up. Yes. And the little harness. Yes. We all had our day in the harness, didn't we? Oh, my God. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh, I was so scared. But yeah. I was determined I was going to do it myself. Yeah. Kiami, was you ever worried that you wouldn't have cleared that fence? <laughs> I know. I know. Like when we were doing the scenes like with Jacqueline as Amanda, we were looking at like pieces of tape on a stick. Right. And things like that. Yeah, there was a lot of times where we had to use our imaginations because we were just looking at pieces of tape. Mm-hmm. Or we were just looking at something at something absolutely ridiculous, but this is true. <laughs> we had a lot of games. Like you taught me, you taught me down by the banks, the hand game. Yes! Oh my god! You did, yes! and we made and we made cootie catchers, and we played. Like it, it did feel like summer camp. It did at times. Yeah, it really did. Like it never felt like work, ever. And there were so many other wonderful kids there too. And Kiami, what 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 was it like? For you to be in such, because I was speaking tomorrow about this earlier, when you're doing something like that, you don't know how it's going to be received. You've got no idea if it's going to be big, if it's going to be a flop. You've got no idea. But now, as an adult, looking back, knowing that you were part of that and a big part of that as well, how does that feel now being all grown up? Uh, it's, I mean, it's always, it's still like a really surreal feeling yeah. almost and I've always said I'm so so grateful um, it's been really a life changer for me and of course I've met so many amazing people that like mom that I'm still like out you know I've always called her that's my sis from another miss yeah yeah <laughs> yeah definitely so you know have those experiences it's I mean, it's it's nothing like it. And it's something that's completely unforgettable. You will cherish it for the rest of your life. And I'm completely, completely just grateful to be able to just be a part of history. I mean, that we made history. Did people start telling you a couple of years ago that their kids were watching it, that they grew up with it, and that their kids are now watching it? Because that happened to me. Yes. Yeah. It's like people send me on Instagram. They, they'll show me pictures. They'll send me on Instagram people, their kids dressing up as Matilda and Lavender. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Gosh, I love it so much. It's the cutest thing. So adorable. And it's usually like around Halloween. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. It's absolutely, it's so humble. <laughs> what a compliment. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's so lovely to actually see you guys side by side again. <laughs> Not in the playground. All grown up. It's so cute. And Kiami, are you well? Is everything good in your world? Yes, everything is amazing. Thank you. I am blessed and I am, you know, just 
excited to just be living my dream and doing what I love to do. So I am I'm doing very well. Um, cannot complain at all. Good. That's all that matters. Kiami, I've always said, Kiami has star power. She really does. She's so talented and she's just such a presence and such a force. <laughs> and I remember after, like, after Matilda, we would have these, like, long talks on the phone. And uh, and I don't know if, like, everything happens for a reason, but it does feel like you came into my life for a reason, you know? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And we had so much fun. <laughs> like I said, it didn't feel like work. And we yeah. had so many, you know, just kids around. And it just was one of the best. We'd go to the playground, yeah. you know? Yeah. We'd go to the playground. We would play all kinds of games and... We'd like have popsicles, but I think you and I couldn't have the cherry or purple popsicles because they would stain our tongues. Yes. Yes. So they said you can have lime or maybe you can have fudgesicles, but also not till the end of the day because we don't want you to sugar sugar crash and all of that. All of that. But years later, I always everybody always asks me, Do you still talk tomorrow? I'm like, Yes. Yeah. We went through something together that not many people can understand, I think. Like it was so special there and we're and we are like a part of people's childhoods. Like I said, people are dressing up as us for Halloween. <laughs> I know. So unbelievable. And we had so many wonderful people there too. We had Kira, who was great, yeah. who was like a fun big sister. We were very lucky, I think. We were very lucky. Yeah. Do you know what? And it, it's so lovely to see you both together again. I know, like you said, you did the reunion not not a few years back now, but just to see you guys like just smiling, happy, all these years. And we've hung out since then. Oh, I bet. But can <laughs> you remember it? That's the thing. <laughs> I think we didn't we didn't party too hard. <laughs> uh, Kiami, thank you so, so much for, for joining us this evening. Honestly, it's such a pleasure to speak to you. And it's for me as well. It's so lovely to see you just looking so amazing as the grown woman that you are now. Um, and you stay safe and you stay well. Thank you. And we'll get coffee soon. Absolutely. And you guys too. And thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Kiami, thank you so much, sweetheart. Take care. Bye. Bye. You're listening to The Reunion, brought to you by my friends at Sky Bingo, with a lot of chat, laughs, and some exciting times with some of your faves. That's one for you, Sky Bingo. Mara, how was that? Amazing. I mean, Kiami and I, I, I think we hung out like right before the pandemic hit and, and I wanted to like, you know, hit her up again so we could hang out because she really is just, she's so creative and so interesting and so funny and so talented. And it, it really is like, we have so many memories. It just does feel like, it feels like when you meet somebody that you knew from like, you know, yeah. nursery school or something. And you just have all these happy memories with them. It was cute. There's people in my life where it's just like, and it's just like they understand. They get it because they've lived in that world, mm. you know? And not everybody has. Not everybody knows what it's like to have the, that unique challenge and I guess also blessing of being admired by people, but also feeling the pressure, but also coming to love yourself in spite of it and all of these things. And so it, it, yeah, yeah Kiami is, is she's very important to me and she's also so open and lovely and has always been so gracious with her fans. She's never been rude to them. She's never been ungrateful for it. She got it. She's got it. And she's confident in herself in a really beautiful way, I think. And it's, 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 mm. it's not a conceited way, but it's a truly, she's happy with herself and her life and the people around her. And I really love that about her. Well, Mara, <laughs> I think this has been beautiful. Yeah. But if you did this all again with me, mm -hmm. is there anyone else you'd like to reunite with? Oh, my gosh. Oh, so many people. I mean, well, I, some people like Lisa from Mrs. Doubtfire and I are we're still friends. I mean, I met up with Pierce Brosnan a couple of years ago, too, and with Matt. Oh. They were lovely. Um Elizabeth and Dylan from, obviously, Sir Richard has passed on, unfortunately, but from Miracle, they're wonderful people, too. I would love to work with them again and uh, or, or just talk with them again. Yeah. You know, they were just great people. Uh, there's there's so many. I, I mean, I love revisiting these things. And yeah, or just Danny, you know, I mean. Danny lives in LA. I could probably hang out with him, but just Danny. Just Danny in general, just Danny. But Danny's the greatest. And I feel like the two of us, <laughs> when we get together, it's just us talking about old movies. And he always talks about food and restaurants. He always does that. That's such his thing. 
And and I remember some friends of mine from NYU picked me up uh, when I was staying at his house and he came out and he talked to them very normally. And he said, you got to go to this restaurant. And so the two of us or the three of us went to this restaurant yeah. that we never would have gone to otherwise. And it was fantastic. There you go. Danny knows. And we were just like, they were just like, he really knows his stuff. And we were, I was like, yes, he does. Total foodie. Daddy knows. Yeah. Well, Mara, before we get let you go, let's say me and you do this all over again in 10 years time. Okay. Where mm-hmm. is Mara Wilson? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, my, my goals for myself are pretty simple. It's just kind of like, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. Nothing too big. Like, I would love to have written another book. For sure. At some point, I think I'd like to be a parent. I've put that off, but, you know, my mom had kids late in life, so I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) It works. It works, guys. It works. (laughs) Well, I've always wanted to be an adoptive parent, too, so I'll probably do that. Um, Amazing. But I like doing stuff behind the scenes. You know, my dad is an engineer for TV, and, uh, you know, I know what I really want to do is direct as a cliche, but I definitely want to write more for TV and film, and honestly, what I would really love to do is documentaries. Do it. Because I'm obsessed with documentaries. And I love them. And, you know, radio and podcast stuff is documentaries are so cool. And but also like on screen documentaries are so cool. And I'm kind of I'm in love with like the mundane and I'm in love with like the natural world. And like I'm always talking to my sister about weird history and cults and like different, you know, political groups and this and that. And so there's definitely a lot more. And and so, yeah, so I really hope that by then I will have, uh, you know, maybe some documentaries under my belt. And, you know, writing and producing and making the kind of stuff that I want to make. And the thing is, I don't need to be like the world's biggest star or make like the most stuff ever, you know, that like everybody loves. I don't need to be making like Marvel movie type stuff. But like, like the thing about Matilda that I love is um, it means so much to like a certain group of people. And maybe not everybody in the world knows it. I mean, probably a fair amount do, but it means so much to a certain group of people, to a certain number of people. It does. And I like that. I like having, you know, it, I, I imagine it's very hard to be Beyonce level famous, to be, you know, something like that. So I kind of like having the following that I do of like bisexual librarians and like kindergarten teachers and, uh, <laughs> you know. And the gays. And the gays. The gays <laughs> love me. I love and and I love them. And, <laughs> and yeah, my huge LGBTQ following. Um and so that's the thing. I'm like, maybe I'm going to make stuff and it won't be for everybody, but that's that's okay. Yeah, it is. So I want to just keep making stuff and I want to keep up with my friends and uh, go back to London to see more friends. <laughs> and we'll see what happens. Mara, you are an absolute darling. Thank you. You really, really are. Thank you. You are too. Honestly, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I really, really have. And I'm so thrilled that now I can finally say, got Matilda as a friend now. Yes, definitely. Babe, listen, when you're coming London, forget about Pam. I'm taking you out. Don't worry about that. Yes, we'll do that. (laughs) We'll definitely do that. (laughs) Mara Wilson, thank you so, so much, gorgeous. Thank you. You've been so lovely. Oh, what an episode. I'm going to have to go and watch the film again, aren't I? Uh, Thanks so much to Kiyami. Thank you to the wonderful Pam Ferris. And thank you, Matilda Wormwood herself or as we now know her, Mara Wilson. I love that you listened to this one. And if you don't want to miss out on any future episodes, just hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you found this episode. (sighs) I'm emotionally drained from that one. I'm off for a lie down. Until next time, thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. 